If we can stop over identifying with our success and understanding that success is awesome, achievements are awesome, money is awesome. I make tons of money too, but I don't think that is the basis of who I am as a person, as a human being. And so if we could be proud of everything we achieve and create, but not let ourselves be limited by that identification, I think that's when we are making progress. And so my biggest invitation to single high achieving women is when I talk about show up on your dates in your feminine, I mean just be who you are and by be who you are i don't mean be your work be your achievements be the money you make i want to know what makes you smile what makes megan smile i know megan is not single but what makes megan smile what makes megan cry what lights up megan like a lighthouse what drives megan crazy this heart piece this vulnerability piece is what is going to foster connection with the man in front of you This is Impact, the podcast where we explore entrepreneurship, mindset and health to provide you with the ingredients for an unregrettable version of your life story. An alpha female is defined as a powerful and successful woman, often in a leadership role. Alpha females are often described as intimidating by men and women alike and friends, they are pervasive in the world of high achieving women. So when we talk about the balance of being a high performer and being a high achieving woman, we can talk about money and we can talk about our homes and our trips and our travel and all the Instagram highlights uh, that come along with that package. But there is a component to the fulfilling life of any human. And in this case today, the high achieving, potentially in some cases, alpha female that we often overlook. And in this series on high performance, well, we can't overlook it. And that is love. Now, love for the high performing female can sometimes manifest or in many cases not manifest the same way as it does for others. And, you know, I was sort of privy to this when I uh, when I was a kid, and I've shared this, I've shared this before. My parents were divorced, and I lived with my dad, and I was also lived with my mom. But when I was living with my dad, uh, and he would go on dates, and then he would come home, and we would hang out, and he would tell me about them. And I always found it so fascinating when he would talk about going out with like really dynamic, amazing women who were doing awesome things in the world. And he was like, he just was always surprised. I remember this message from a kid. He was always just so surprised that they found it really quite difficult to date people and find people who are willing to date them. Now, you might be sitting here listening to me like, Megan, I am happily married in my relationship, doing my thing. But see, the thing about the high-performance women and finding love is it's not like a client in our businesses. It's not just about finding the love. It's also about how do we keep it? How do we maintain it? What are some of the things that we are doing as high-performance women that drive our partners? mad that drive them totally bonkers are there things that we do as self-reliant individuals inadvertently sometimes on purpose by virtue of our skill set and capacity that actually make love more challenging this was a question i wanted to explore and so in the exploration of high performing relationships and finding love as a high performance woman There's really nobody else in the world I could turn to other than my guest today, Sammy Wonder. Now, Sammy 
is a love coach. She works with high-performance women to help them find the men of their dreams. And she openly shares this. She's like, I I focus on women in, in heterosexual relationships. I love all types of love. She's like, this is just the discipline that I'm really good at. And that is what we talk about today. And she goes into some of the things that we do as high-performing women, which have a tendency or a capacity to alienate new partners from us, but also create tension within our primary romantic relationships as well. Now, you will hear me in this interview. There are times where I really struggled, and I will openly share the universe this week, like just is nonstop talking to me about stepping into and embracing my feminine and the feminine side of our energy. We're all a balance of masculine and feminine energy. And Sammy talked about this a lot. And there's a few times where you're like, do you really mean this? I'd share, change the language. Up. And she's like, no, I mean this, Megan. Um, and I really, I really valued that because I probably too get caught in that lane of high performance women. And I sometimes have blinders on to how uh, my language or perspective may be perceived by my partner. This interview and this conversation was fascinating because it's outside the normal realm of an idea or topic that I would necessarily explore. And it is also outside the normal box. I hate boxes, but we all get in boxes in different areas. Outside the normal box of how I think about relationships. It identified to me some of my key blinders when it comes to uh, love and relationships. And it provided a ton of practical insight. So whether you are looking to find love in your life or you want to maximize the love that you have, you are going to adore the amazing love coach, Sammy Wunder. Sammy Wunder, welcome to Impact. Thank you, Megan. So happy to be here. Well, we finally had to just hit hit record on this because we were having our own little jam session before uh before we got uh we got going and i was sharing with you that that this this interview and this conversation is going to fit in the context of a broader conversation we're having on impact around high performance living and one of the pieces to that is and i feel like we don't talk about this very much is how do we exist as high performing women in the context of a relationship and how do we keep that relationship high performing itself what things do we need to attend to and attune to in order to make that happen and so i'm excited to talk about all elements of love today but in particular we're gonna we're gonna get into how, how do we maintain that high performance uh, relationship in love and so before we do that sammy i'm wondering can you give my listeners some context around who you are and why this is a conversation you're so excited to yes have? absolutely megan so as a young woman, I found myself being a go-getter, ambitious, and I had a really hard time attracting and keeping a good man in my life. I believe for a lot of us impact creators, the biggest moments of our transformation are actually originating from the biggest hardships we've faced or the biggest moment of pain we've had in our life. And for me, that pain was unimaginable when Somebody I thought was the one for me after dating me for two months or so, again, ghosted on me and disappeared. And I felt like that was such a pivotal moment in my life because until then I had blamed the guys, I had blamed the men. I had always thought like, oh, they're just intimidated by my success and they don't like a woman with brains and they don't like a woman who is, who knows what she wants. 
But that was the moment in my life when I actually stopped to reflect, you know, how am I contributing to the dynamics I keep facing in my love life and in my romantic relationships? And I had the choice to become a man hater. I had the choice to lay all the blame on the guys. And I had the choice to just be a woman who's going to go out there, prove herself, achieve, 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 and close her heart to love because it was so painful and it made me feel so vulnerable. But I am so grateful to God, to universe, to myself for waking up the next morning and actually having the humility and the ability to say, okay, I'm going to take ownership for where I am the common denominator in all of this. I'm going to look at myself. I'm going to learn what it takes to have an amazing, healthy relationship. And I had always been a good student. I'm a trained economist. I have always been a gold medalist. And whatever I put my head into and decide to master, I master it. And so I was largely self-taught, at least in my own personal transformation. I read about what it takes to have healthy romantic relationships while being a high achiever, while being a woman who can be a go-getter and doesn't have to play the submissive wife role that so many of us have been taught. We've been told by our mothers, we've been told by society, you can have one or the other, but I wanted to have it all. I wanted to have amazing success and I wanted to have amazing love. And so long story short, I figured it out. I went ahead, dated some amazing men, attracted my amazing husband, Chris. We've been married nine years. We have two beautiful boys and I run a multi-seven-figure love coaching company that serves women from 55 countries of the world today. And I help these amazing women have amazing, healthy, romantic love. And I'm pretty good at what I do. I've helped over 400 women walk down the aisle by now. And hundreds and hundreds of others heal their marriages and romantic relationships. So I know that what I'm teaching is working powerfully for my clients. This is one of those, I'm listening to this and I'm smiling because I'm like, this is one of those things I don't even know we knew we needed. And then as you're talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I can think of a million people I know who, who need this. And so can we just like really briefly, what, like when you talk about love coaching, what are you, like, what are you talking about? What do you do? What does that actually look like when we're on a call together and you're coaching me on the love? So piece? love coaching is about looking at your love life patterns and seeing where and how you may be not allowing love to come in. If you're a single woman, or even if you're married or in a relationship, what are the ways in which you're showing up? What are the patterns you have around the way you show up in your marriage, around the way you communicate with your man? And we teach you how to shift those patterns that are unhelpful and learn new patterns and behaviors that are actually going to enhance the passion, the love, the chemistry in your marriage or in your relationship. So how would this differ from therapy? Where, where we're, you know, like we're analyzing, you know, our past patterns and our, like our attachment issues and our, like all the, the things. The way I like to describe it is that my clients get results fast because I'm all about forward movement. In my work, there is very little emphasis on where you come from, even though I believe that is important and that deserves to be heard, seen and respected. But at the same time, coaching is about forward movement. And so we give you tools that you can start doing now to get fast results now, no matter what your past 
looked like. Okay, so, and I, I, I totally appreciate that that piece because when I hire a coach for anything, it's because I want this result. Like it is a very results oriented experience. Now, at the same time, I love my therapy where I can really start to like understand where those patterns originated from, and so I can unpack that and. They serve different purposes in our, in our life. So I appreciate that. I appreciate that distinction. In your experience, having put so many women on a path to successful relationships, what are some of the things that we were doing wrong? Like, what are some of the patterns that, that women are engaged in where we could maybe draw some attention towards? I think I could talk about this all day, but something that comes <laughs> to me as a very I would say game-changing factor when it comes to the health of our romantic relationships is what energy are we showing up in? And I love to talk about women understanding the power of polarity in our romantic relationships and basically not putting this in a very technical way, just an easy way to understand polarity is the presence of polar opposite energies in a relationship. So you need a embodied masculine partner and you need an embodied feminine partner and that's going to increase the fire the passion the, the the sexual attraction that is really the foundation of a romantic relationship because so many times even amazing marriages and relationships turn into functional relationships friendships which is beautiful to have but the crux of it is you're in a romantic relationship because that sexual attraction that peace is so important And so what I see with my high achievers is that they go, 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 go in their masculine, in their work and their businesses, and they don't know how to switch that off and bring their feminine into their marriages, dating and romantic relationships. And I do have to qualify that masculine feminine sounds very sexist, but it's not because both men and women have both energies. And what I am teaching my clients is that if you can be the woman who knows how to channel her masculine or her action-oriented, go-getter, results-oriented, planning, organizing, strategic energy in her work and her business, but then also know how to switch into her feminine in her romantic relationship, that's basically the secret to having it all. You can have both amazing love and amazing success by knowing when to when to put on which hat, when to put on the masculine hat and when to put on the feminine hat. And it sounds simple, but it is the hardest balance to strike, especially when you are CEO, you're really high performing, you just know how to like do your numbers, get things done, move your team, instruct. I mean, I go through the same challenge myself in my own marriage where my husband literally gives me the feedback, you know, can I have my woman back? Can I have my wife back? And can I have the CEO, you know, leave her avatar in the office? So I think if we can know when to switch from the masculine to the feminine, we this is game changing. So here's where I am like legit challenge. So let's coach away. I have a hard time doing this authentically. So and part of the mindset piece, I you know, I remember a, a girlfriend of mine talking about her parents' marriage. She's like, they have this amazing marriage. Her mom was a, a high performing entrepreneur. She told me the secret to her marriage is she just like fakes being needy when she's at home. She's like, I just let him do things for me and fix things for me when I'm cap- capable of doing it myself. And I like that struck some sort of core wound in me. I was like, I'm not playing the fake needy game if I'm not 
there, I mean, there are times where I really like need my husband because it is a genuine, like his strength, my deficit. But how are, how are we reconciling this, this piece where we're moving between these two personas in a really authentic way? That's a great question. And I think a lot of intelligent women struggle or have resistance around this. I think anything to do with fake neediness is not going to strike a chord with a smart, intelligent, authentic human being. And so the way I like to describe this is that I think we're so programmed and conditioned to not need a man when we are high achievers. Like we're so programmed and conditioned to do it ourselves. It actually is not your authentic real essence. It's your learned essence. It's for the most part what maybe sometimes childhood role models, parents, you know, my parents told me, never trust a man, always rely on yourself, always rely on your intelligence, go out there and make a mark, always make your own money. And so there was so much distrust feeded towards the masculine and the man and the man energy that it took a lot of unlearning of that programming in order to really let my husband in and to really let him be there for me, not because I'm a damsel in distress, but because I'm a queen that is capable of receiving from her man. And to be honest, like whenever I get into that overdrive and overfunctioning energy in my marriage, I realize I'm coming from a wounded space because that's what I saw my mom do all her life for her dad. And that is my modeling of love. That is what love looks like to me in my programming. And yet every time I'm able to stop, take a deep breath, slow down and just sit down and lean back and be in my feminine. I see that, you know, my husband wants to please me. He wants to move towards me. He wants to give to me. And all this inner work that I teach my clients to do in my programs, it's all about having the capacity to receive that love instead Mm -hmm. of rationalizing through it and say, I don't need it. I can do it myself. Of course, you can do it yourself. But this is about allowing the goodness and allowing yourself to receive that goodness. And so it's not about being weak or being needy. It's about receiving. A queen is not needy when she receives gifts from her courtiers or from her knight or from her king. She doesn't need that gift, but she's allowing herself to receive that gift. And that is what this is about. Yeah, I I really like that distinction because there is, in my own experience, in my own relationship, there are areas where I I own it. There's areas where he owns it, but it is the coming together is in the receiving, but honestly, it's both sides. Like that's one of my, that's one of my frustrations with my husband. He's a terrible receiver. Like he, he's like, I just love to give to everybody, but I don't want to receive anything myself. And, and so can we just comment a little bit on like, where does that, where does that give and take come in? How do we draw attention to it? What do we need to know about the give and take side of this uh, giving receiving? I think when it's polarity, The masculine partner is the dominant giver and the feminine partner is the dominant receiver. However, of course, you can still give. It's like, it's a beautiful thing to give. It's just maybe given more feminine ways if he has a hard time receiving your masculine ways. So in Elevate, you know, we teach our clients that you don't always have to give a man through masculine gifting. So you don't have to you know, mother him, you don't have to like look after him like you'd look after your children, even though sometimes, you know, that instinct may arise to love and care for your man, like you love and care for your children. But it's important to remember, he's not your child. He is your lover. He's your partner. He's your, he's your husband. He's your boyfriend. 
and uh, understanding that your you saying something affirmative like honey i trust that you've got this or honey i love the way you've planned this date or honey i thought this is this is such a great idea with the date that you planned for us just this appreciation this this uh, feminine um affirmation is so nurturing in terms of giving to our men because this is what runs their engine and this is what fuels them and so i think the invitation in the give and take is more like can we give more from our feminine energy than giving from our masculine energy can we lean more into you know when we're around him touching him more can we lean into appreciating him more can we lean into just being a happier person at home because that is that is a gift to him right when we are in that happy feminine energy and not trying to control everything and not being urgent so i think your presence is a gift and if you can if you can start being more in that presence around him and remembering that this is a gift to him i think that is extremely powerful for the relationship yeah i i i totally appreciate that that perspective and so you know as i'm listening to you there's things that certainly we can do as women what are some of the things that men need to be aware of as they enter into these these high performance relationships with women as well because they're not I was going to say they're not the same. They aren't the same. It's not the same. It's not the same dynamic when your wife is like, I can fully float us financially. I can handle all of the things. Like it actually takes a really strong man to be able to sit in that, that presence at the Absolutely. same time. And I think what I see and appreciate about Chris, my husband, is that he's very cool. He's very grounding for my high achieving, I got it all energy. And at the same time, he knows where to put his foot down and say no. And to be honest, it irritates my ego and it irritates my the wanting to control everything persona but it actually makes my makes me respect my husband and so there's a very fine line between pleasing your high achieving woman and yet being respected by her and i think when you're surround when you're in the company of a high achieving woman it's so important to hold your ground and it's so important to still be sovereign in your choices because so many women who are high achievers tend to be loving control and then they control their man they nobody does it on purpose it's just happening you know like hey can you do this and hey can you he can hey can you dress like this and hey can you do this for the kids and hey can you talk like that and hey can you show up this way and then what happens is if he does all of that he loses his sense of identity and sovereignty and then over time she loses respect for him and so it's really important to maintain the attraction that he remains that sovereign king and he holds his ground and yes it's great to please women like us by doing what we want you to do but at the same time we love you and we feel attracted to you when you hold your ground as a sovereign king you know i um i was having a conversation with my husband today and um i've been wanting to like seduce him into helping me in the company because he does such a great job and there's nobody else i can trust uh to the extent i can trust my husband and yet um like he told me today you know honey i love you i love supporting you in your company but you know i am passionate about aerospace and i need to go back and like i've helped you with the kids you know we have young kids and of course i didn't like it but he held his ground and it looks like he might even be considering seriously going back so we're like having these conversation in rounds where i try to incentivize him i try to seduce him into staying and helping me but at the end of the day he is a sovereign king and he gets to decide what turns him on and you know what lights him up and 
I'm not going to be resentful against him if he decides to make that choice to go back and pursue his passion. And that's what it looks like holding your ground. So even though there's a part of me as a high achiever that just wants everything to go my way, there's also a, a really a womanly part in me that respects my husband so much more for being a strong-willed, I know what I want kind of guy. Like it's really attractive. It's like Stone Age attractive. It's very instinctive in my belly. Like I want to make love to a man that knows who he is and stands for who he is. Yeah. And it's interesting as you're describing that, I was like, I might use different language. And so if I'm off base with different language, then let me know. But part of it is, and what I find attractive is this idea of you, you do know your, you know yourself. So like mean, I'm not talking about me knowing myself. I'm like, my husband knows himself well enough to be like, this is something that I want. This is something that I don't want. And then having the capacity to articulate and communicate his boundaries around a particular issue. Which to me feels slightly different than putting his foot down. Maybe it's just a slightly different energy. Are we talking about the same thing? I think when the woman is really forceful in order for you to be heard, you have to put your foot down. I mean, you have to put your foot down and it can also be articulated in a less intense scenario as a boundary. Sometimes high achieving women, sometimes really forceful women are not able to hear that boundary because they're so adamant on how they want something. Getting so <laughs> this is about intensity, I think. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, there's a, there's a context in, in relationships also where sometimes it might manifest as putting your foot down. And other times you might have a really strong, but emotionally intelligent woman. Who's like, I, I hear and respect your boundaries Absolutely. and um, we're, we're great. In my experience, actually the stronger women know themselves and the, the clearer they are, and more respectful they are of the partner, the less there is this need to like create this this clashing power dynamic energy. And I think that's what I'm sensitive to in the language is the difference between this complementarity in energy and this like forcefulness or this power piece. Is there a difference in your mind? I mean, I, I don't interpret this as a negative. I think there is a lot of power in being able to put your foot down as and when necessary. And I think um, in a lot of relationship dynamics, at least the ways I experience my clients, it takes a very high level of awareness to not be triggered and to not want to control and to have that awareness to let go and surrender to what he wants. And so sometimes women can have that capability. And sometimes they actually need a man who says, no, sorry, hun, this is not happening. You know, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it this way. And so I don't see it as a power struggle. I think it's our capacity to, to assert our sovereignty. And of course, sometimes that, that conversation might need to be happening once, twice, thrice in order for the other person to really receive it. So I think I'm, I'm very comfortable with imperfection because I don't see women as, I don't see these polished relationships where everyone is always hyper self-aware and always talking in the best, you know, even with, even with very aware women. So I would say it is still a positive quality as long as both people are able to respect and listen and get the message that is being delivered. What are some of the, the pieces like when we move into this transition of like, so there's the actually no, before we transition to like the keeping love, like the finding love piece. I mean, we, we've talked a lot about like okay, the, the fish is on the lure and here are some of the back and forth dynamics, but finding that love, especially when we are in that, that high performance state, when we are high achieving women, when we are used to sort of 
getting on stage and coming back and holding, holding our own space. And, you know, one of my, my part of my context for this is, you know, I grew up with my parents divorced an only child. And I, wa- I watched my dad date and I watched the women he dated. And he was very open with me about what his experiences were like with different women. He loved dating uh, really strong, powerful women. And he always found it really fascinating because he said those women had the hardest time ever meeting people. Like men were just like, no, I'm not. They had men had all these preconceived ideas around what that uh, woman was going to be like. I'm still not convinced I would want to change who I am to find the love piece, but that's okay. Maybe that's the context of where I'm at right now. I know there's a lot of high achieving women who maybe are lacking a sense of of awareness of how they are projecting things out into the world. What are some of the things if we're trying to attract love into our life and we're so used to owning our space and dynamic and business and, and life that we, that we need to draw attention to, especially as we get to know Great people. Great question. And I think this whole idea that I have to change myself to have love is again, very unattractive to a smart, intelligent woman. I think it's not about changing yourself. It's actually about dropping the masks, dropping the walls, Becoming comfortable being vulnerable, becoming comfortable being imperfect and letting somebody see that versus having this wall of, you know, I'm strong. I got this. I'm always perfect. I always get it right. And so I don't think this is about changing yourself. I think when you embody your feminine, it's about being more of who you are. That's the, that's the real invitation. And that invitation can feel intimidating sometimes and unattractive. Because it makes us feel vulnerable. It's not something we're used to and we don't want to go there. So I would just switch language from I don't want to change myself to I actually want to be more of who I am. And that feels very scary and intimidating. So maybe I don't even want to look at that. And I just want to, you know, have this mask or have this, um, you know, wall and I'm perfect and I got this. So in terms of, you know, meeting men, I think what we really have to understand is that we're not loved for what we achieve and the money we make. We're loved for who we are. And you make my heart skip a beat is a far superior compliment in love than I'm so grateful for how much money you make and everything you achieve. And so if we can start not, let's just say if we can stop over identifying with our success, And understanding that success is awesome, achievements are awesome, money is awesome. I make tons of money too, but I don't think that is the basis of who I am as a person, as a human being. And so if we could be proud of everything we achieve and create, but not let ourselves be limited by that identification, I think that's when we are making progress. And so my biggest invitation to single high-achieving women is when I talk about show up on your dates in your feminine, I mean, just be who you are. And by be who you are, I don't mean be your work, be your achievements, be the money you make. I want to know what makes you smile. What makes Megan smile? I know Megan is not single, but what makes Megan smile? What makes Megan cry? What lights up Megan like a lighthouse? What drives Megan crazy? And this, this heart piece, this vulnerability piece, is what is going to foster connection with the man in front of you. And so if you can just show up in that vulnerable 
And by vulnerable, I don't mean like uh, share your past trauma stories or share how bad your previous marriage was with a man on a first date. By vulnerable, I just mean be that human being that is willing to be imperfect. Be that human being that mm-hmm. is make that makes a mistake, drops a glass of wine on her dress and then laughs about it versus gets all worked up that she's not looking perfect or not looking her best or what kind of a first impression is she making? So when you can just be comfortable being imperfect, that is what vulnerability is. And that is leading with your feminine energy in dating. And that's going to foster that human connection that actually, you know, fosters romantic connection. Vulnerability, I feel like is just the key to likability in general. Like when we're just willing to be ourselves or throw down that joke that's not funny or the the other side of it uh, I feel like is exhausting to partake in but it's also exhausting to be in that presence yes absolutely oh my god it's so draining I know for myself that my clients constantly give me the feedback that Sammy it's when you share that you you know had a hard moment with Chris that is when we feel normal around you because otherwise it's all so beautiful and perfect and it's so intimidating so I completely agree that vulnerability is the key in general. And at the same time, I think when we're talking about love and romance, I think it's, it's like a core factor for connection. And so it has to be highlighted because it doesn't come easy to the high achiever. I'm just going to throw out to my high achieving friends in general. I find you exhausting when you can't be vulnerable. Like, Around other women, it is exhausting when there's just this, like, everyone is keeping up with this, like, I don't know what it is, but I'm tired. And I think um, it also makes us go on guard, right? Like, when I'm in a group of people, Mm -hmm. and it's the same on dates, like, when you're sitting in front of somebody, and you know, like, the way you put your napkin on your plate is being judged, or the way you hold your champagne glass is being judged, that is emotionally unsafe. Oh, shoot. People judge that? <laughs> oh, I mean, I think in the, in the coaching industry, there's a lot of women out there teaching other women how to hold their champagne glass to find love and how to, you know, follow etiquette and how to be perfect. And I just feel like that's so much pressure and you can never really let your guard down. But it is when you let your guard down that real connection happens. And so for me, for example, when I go on my luxury retreats, The first day I'm going to show up in a fancy dress and makeup. And then the second day onwards, I already start to like tone it down and I let them see my pimples because I want them to see that you don't have to be perfect to have love in your life. Like you get to shine and be wonderful and be the queen of a man's heart by being imperfect. I think that is one of the most important messages we can give these women, because let's face it, when we go on social media, we see these perfect bodies. We see these women who like don't ever have a pimple, never have a bad hair day. They're never tired. And this just sets such unrealistic standards. And then women feel because they're high achievers, they feel like in order to succeed, that's the level of perfection they need to have in order to have a great guy in their life. And the truth is the complete opposite. Like a real empowered, healthy man actually loves you without makeup. He loves your fire. He loves your silliness, your imperfections. All of that is feminine because masculine is results oriented, perfection oriented. All of this is feminine. This, you know, letting go, letting our guard down and just having the courage to be imperfect. It's interesting because as you say that, if I were to, if I were to peg, and I know my husband's not listening to this, so this is fair, fair game. 
if if you someone just asked like Greg, what do you love most about Megan? I can guarantee you it is none of those. It's none of the perfection things. It's none of the achievement stuff. It is. It's about confidence. It's about like my stupid jokes. It's about like, you know, I can't put an outfit together. Like it's all, it's all of those things. It's none of the, it's none of the polish that, because he gets to be himself when I'm willing to be vulnerable. He gets to exist in that state too. I think like men just as like, they want to let their guard Absolutely. down Absolutely. And I think as women, we get to be the emotional leaders of that. So if we can let our guard down, we create that emotional safety in our relationship for our men to feel. I mean, this is irreplaceable. Like when you have this with a woman, this is irreplaceable. There's zero competition. <laughs> How do you coach these high achieving women? Because I feel like we kind of hit the crux on the head here. And that is like, we have to like break through the veneer of perfection and access that vulnerability. It's the same thing I will say to someone if we're talking about how do we make their their social media more attractive. It's like, how do we pull your vulnerability to the surface? How do you coach women to become more vulnerable? Like to me, that is like gold. And yes, hard. it's gold and hard. Well described. So I think one of the first things we do is we help them get in touch with their feelings because so often you feel like somebody is putting up this wall, but it's a very unconscious wall. It's not like we go out there with the decision to not be vulnerable on a date or we go into a marriage and, you know, our husband asks us, how was your day? And we just say it was good <laughs> versus, you know, I actually felt really overwhelmed today with all the paperwork sitting on my desk waiting to be attended. And so we help them get in touch with their body. We do body scans. We help them use feeling word vocabulary. So we start saying my chest feels tight. My stomach feels heavy. And then we go next level. We like, okay, this experience that you had with your partner, how did that make you feel instead of what do you think about it? Um, and they say, I felt disappointed that he forgot my birthday gift. I felt, I wish he, I, I felt uh, not special when he didn't have a present for me on my birthday. And so we do a lot of this feeling word orientation because it's not necessarily for your man or your date, but it's like self-knowledge and it's intimacy with self. And for a lot of us, when we struggle with intimacy with ourselves, it becomes very difficult to be intimate with our partners. And so nobody is not being vulnerable on purpose. It's just that most of us don't even know where to start. You know, getting in touch with your body, with your emotions, that's a really powerful way of, uh, you know, starting this journey. Another thing we do is like we invite women to own their wild woman. Like, you know, masculine paradigm teaches you to be perfect, show up a certain way. If you make so much money, if you have so much success, then you've made it. If you don't have a seven-figure business, you haven't made it. You still have to keep working to make, make it. And so we say that society teaches you rules of how to show up, what perfection looks like. Now let's move away from that perfection and let's channel your wild woman. Like what does your crazy, silly self look like? And if nobody was judging you, how would you show up? Like if the man in front of you would just be enamored by what he's seeing, how would you show up? Like what, like how will you channel that wild woman? And basically when we channel this wild woman energy, this is like hardcore feminine because it's flow. It's not rules. It's not organized. It's not structured. That's when laughter returns. Passion returns. She feels more like herself. The mask's down. He feels safer in her presence. And what we've noticed is that you start emanating 
a pure frequency in the world so that you attract more of who you actually are versus who the world told you you should be. I think if it's a single woman and she's channeling her wild woman, uh, she's just going to throw out this really authentic frequency that is going to attract the perfect person for her because just it's so pure. It's so easily recognizable. That's Megan. That's Sammy Wonder, right? So channeling your wild woman and not just on, in dating, I think even in marriage, like this is one of the ways to evoke that passion, that sex, that lust back um, because it's just so playful and it's so non-serious, this energy. Yeah, it's the non-serious piece. I I don't want to belabor this, but I'm actually just super fascinated with this component of, of vulnerability. And as you were talking, I'm wondering if you see a distinction between the high-achieving woman and then the woman who is able to achieve because she's confident and how that manifests in her capacity to draw a partner, maintain a high-performing relationship, all of the above. Do you see a subtlety in difference between those those so two women? So you say the high-achieving woman who achieves because she's confident, and what is the other group? Just the high-achiever. I think we sometimes get high-achievers who are high-achievers because of you know, the relentless perfectionism and the pushing and the driving and all of these pieces. And behind that, the motivation is a lack of confidence. To me, that is an entirely different individual to have to to manage and unpack and coach than the woman who is high achieving because she is confident. Like there's there's a gracefulness to that achievement as opposed to the the, the bullishness of that achievement. I'm just wondering if you can speak to its manifestation on the on the love side, or maybe you're like, actually, it all manifests the same way. I love that distinction. And I will 100% um, agree with it. I believe that, you know, you can, you can, you can have scarcity, urgency, lack of trust as the driving factors that can really drive you to control and achieve. You can also have just joy, fun, confidence, self-belief that can, you know, make you a high achiever. Now, in terms of how this manifests as vulnerability, I think in my experience, what I see is that the first group, which is driven by scarcity, urgency, lack of trust, they will have a far harder time embracing vulnerability than the second group. So the second group, it's more like unconscious incompetence. And the minute they become aware of it, they are able to turn it into conscious competence and then unconscious competence, right? Because they're fast learners, they're joyful, they're happy, they believe in themselves. Whereas the other uh, group may struggle to bring, they will bring the same energy of self-doubt or lack even into vulnerability. And it, it might turn into a struggle of, you know, will they like me if I am vulnerable or like, am I overdoing this? Will I be rejected? Will they judge me? So it's, it's actually the same energy that will translate even in the way they deal with vulnerability. Such a good conversation. Like the takeaway I'm taking from all of this is like, know yourself, find your confidence, be who you really are and, and let your partner have access to that version of themselves at the same yes, time. Yes, absolutely. And lean into your feminine. Like feminine is game changing. And by feminine, we don't mean you have to change who you are. By feminine, we mean you have to let down all the masks that you have put on that society that your caregivers told you, you have to put on in order to succeed. I love it. Tammy, 
I want to transition this interview and I want to talk about something I call my impact ingredients. So I want people to, I want to pull back the mask of you. Uh, and I want to give a, I give my audience and my listeners just a little bit of insight in terms of how you make decisions and some of the things that motivate you. So my first question is when you're not feeling it, how do you cultivate courage on a how dime? How do I cultivate courage on a dime? And this is for... Like if, you, if I said to you, I need you to step in front of my 10,000 person audience in five minutes, just talk off the cuff. Like, where do you go to find the courage you need to take action in life when you're, you're caught off guard or you don't necessarily feeling it when you have to show up? I regardless? think it's self-belief and it rests in my belly. And it's like this whole reservoir of all my experiences, all the amazing things I've done, all the self-love work I've done. And this is where, this is the source I turn to, to pull out the courage. And I can totally take you up on the talk to 10,000 people in five minutes. I love it. I know that I'm the same. Don't, I don't want to jump out of a plane, but you can stick me on a stage and I will, I will be fine. What's your motivational beverage of choice and how do you hold the glass? I'm just (laughs) kidding. Not the last part. The last part I don't care about. What's your motivational beverage of choice? What's your biggest non-negotiable in life? I want to be treated with respect. And whether it's a six-figure client, whether it's my husband, whether it's a girlfriend, I am sensitive to the tone of voice. And if I don't feel respected, I am not going to be in that room. I love that. Entrepreneurship. Were you born this way or did you learn to become Oh, I was totally born this way. You couldn't fit me in a cubicle in a nine to five. (laughs) I am doing what I was born to do. I, I landed upon it by chance. It wasn't pre-planned, but universe, God, destiny, everything led me here. And I can never, ever imagine saying yes to a boss. I'm my own boss. Yeah. We'd be on the island of unemployment (laughs) together. Last question for you, Sammy. What do you want your legacy of impact to be? I would love to be remembered by over 5,000 women in the next 10 years, saying that this woman was so instrumental in helping me have the most amazing love in my life. So love is my legacy. And I believe that I've done my part on this planet if I can bring people together and make them feel connected and happy in their love lives. Absolutely. Adore that answer. Sammy, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I know you have something for my my audience. What is the context around that piece? And then we'll follow up on how they yes, can Yes, absolutely. You. So this is a live video training that I recorded. And it's about helping the high achieving woman understand what is it that she can do concretely in her marriage, in her dating to shift into feminine and to shift into feminine quickly and easily and in practical ways. So this is about the three feminine energy shifts. And I talk about leaning back in your love life and leaning in into your business and your career and how to make that switch. So it's a very powerful training because I think the high achiever has the masculine side nailed down. She can, she's a go-getter. She knows how to do it. But this feminine energy still feels like a woo-woo mysterious concept. And so my gift is in making it very practical and helping them being able to implement it literally overnight. And along with this training, there's also a PDF on feminine scripts um, to negotiate and to speak from your heart to your partner, to your man, to your date about sex, quality time, money conversations, 
conflict resolution. And then all the scripts are there that just sort of melt his heart and inspire him to listen to what you have to say without you having to bulldoze through it. Amazing. Sammy Wonder, you are fantastic. Where can we send people to follow along with your awesome Yes, so the gift is going to be, the link is going to be in the show notes uh, of the podcast. So you can download it from there. And you can follow me on Instagram, Sammy Wonder Coach, the Blue Tick profile. You can also find me on my website, sammywunder.com. Spell it right, S-A-M-I-W-U-N-D-E-R. And you can also find me with my name on Facebook. Amazing. All of these downloads, all these links are available at meganwalker.com forward slash podcast. Sammy, thanks so much for joining Thank me you for today. This beautiful conversation. Impact is what lives on when we leave the room, tuck them in, or step off stage. It is less about what you do, more about how you make them feel, and everything about how you choose to show up in the world. If you enjoyed this podcast, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you are listening to this episode. I am your host, Megan Walker. Until next week, aim for impact.